You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. The, I, I say, like, the, this is nothing goes back to, like, reincarnation. There's something, the art gods pick people. I was on this path. There's nothing you could do to stop it because, like, this cloud that I used to live under, like, like this, the way I used to think and, like, I didn't, you know, like, it, like I was just so unbelievably selfish all the time. And that helped my career. Like, I mean, that was like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this for me. Like, I don't give a shit about anybody else. I'm going to fucking, you know, I'm going to make it, you know? And that that drive, who knows where that came from? It was just like, it's it's like some, like I say, something supernatural. is like, you know, this guy, is, you, you're going to do this. And now I look back, I'm like, how did I freaking do that? Why did I do that? Why, why, how could I be such an asshole? Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter. And trust me when I say, if you are ever in Montreal and you are looking for a show to go to, well, well, Heavy Montreal will have you covered. They put on so many shows all year long, and they are all simply bangers. I am beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that just loves extreme metal, well, let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 400 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you're to encourage one of your metalhead friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now today in the podcast, I'm very stoked to be with Tommy Victor of Prong. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 427. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm very stoked to be with Tommy Victor of Prong. He also plays in dancing, has been doing that since 2004. Uh, Tommy, you're uh, another legend, another legend on Vox and Hops. I think it's super cool to hang out with uh, people that do what they love and have been doing it for multiple, multiple decades. I think that's fucking awesome. I'm approaching my second decade with Cryptopsy, so, you know, I'll eventually get there as long as we keep blasting. Uh, Tommy, how you doing? Congratulations. You look so young. I mean, you look... <laughs> Like it's, a little baby. It's the beer. It's the beer. I'm 40 this year, Tommy. You look 25. It's the beer. I'm just pickled. It's <laughs> well yeah, preserved. I used to be pickled, and now <laughs> now I'm now I have to face life as it is, so that it makes you more in pain all the time. So <laughs> that, that leads to leads to wrinkles and other stress flabs. <laughs> I, I, so when I, you're I, drinking, I, when you're drinking, you're probably having a good time. You don't feel all that. All the uh, anxiety as much, I guess. So you're a good example of that. <laughs> the weight of but life. I, I'm, a, I'm a glutton for punishment. That's why I'm sober and drinking peppermint tea. And I'm completely straight edge because I don't even have caffeine. I'm like, you know. I, wow. I, this is Vox and Hops. Vox and Hops. Typically, I hang out with my metal friends. We talk about their lives and music while sharing craft beers. But this is a sober episode. You're drinking peppermint tea. Uh, no caffeine. But, you know, recently I, I did try, not to interrupt you, but... Uh, I had a non-alcoholic Guinness and? recently, yeah, and I love the Guinness is the only beer that what's that if you want to call it. But you guys are aficionados, you would say stout or whatever, or yeah, it's but that's the the only thing I miss really. A good Guinness, a Guinness, stout, yeah. Mm, it's hard to find non-alcoholic stouts. They sort of all suck, honestly. I thought the no, I thought that the Guinness was great, man. Okay, I'll have I mean, to try like, it. Yeah, yeah, as long as it's cold. It's really good, yeah. On my side, I'm going to be drinking um, a little collab that I did with Pitch Black North, the Satanic Tea Company out of Calgary. Uh, this is uh, the Cryptopsy Pitch Black North collab, None So Vile, a play on our classic album, None So Vile. It's black tea with lavender, and of course, if I'm involved in it, it's got some hops in it. Uh, we also made a beer with the tea in it, but tonight we're talking about the tea. Cheers to uh, Dominic, the Satanic Tea Lord himself, for uh, making this happen. That's fantastic. That is really cool. I'm really intrigued by that. And a nice cup, too. Hell yes. Always a proper glassware. 
Uh, take me to sobriety. Let's dig straight into that. Um, as we were setting this up, um, John Freeman, Freeman Promotions, uh, is who made this all happen. Uh, he's, we set it all up months ago, and then he writes me about a month, a week out, and he goes, oh, by the way, uh, Tommy's sober. Is, is that a problem? And I, of course, it's not a problem. I respect my guests. I can hang out with sober people. We can talk about sobriety if my guests are open about that. So Tom, take me to opening up to the punishment, facing life um, in, in, in a raw form, uh, embracing the wrinkles, as you mentioned. Talk to me about <laughs> turning the page and no longer partaking in drugs or alcohol. Uh, well, it was a long battle for a long time. I mean, uh, I worked at a bar. I mean, that's really where prong came out of. I, I was working at CBG, yeah. So, and that was in the 80s. So, um, there was tons of Coke, speed. I had, like, pharmaceutical speed. And um, I had, I could drink as much as I want after hours. So, you know, we were going crazy. You know, and then, you know, when Prong started, we, I mean, it got to the point where I wasn't even interested in playing anymore. It was like, I couldn't wait to get off stage and wow. like, and drink. And then, um, so it, it became too much of a priority for me. That's just my personality. I, I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's just like, I, it became too much of a religion. So I, I, I've been in and out. Like, so I stopped for a while and then, um, and then I went back and then, um, uh yeah like 10 years ago I, I i i'm on this 10 year sobriety run this time i've had other times so 10 years ago i don't know it was the weirdest thing in the world like i just had a i had a what are these crappy like pop-off vodka like a half like a pint half pint and plastic and i was at the rehearsal studio with prong and i, I looked at it and i'm like man first of all this tastes awful it's horrible i'm like <laughs> I, I just said i can't anymore I was just like I and, and I didn't I didn't start again, so that was it, really. I mean, it's just one of those things. It just, it just felt I was getting it was interfering with me because I was, you know, it was too much of a priority. Like especially in L.A., like this is like before Uber got big. Too, I was always worried about how the fuck am I going to get home? So dangerous, like, what, right? You know, it's like calling a cab. I was like trying to figure out tr public transportation and all this shit. It's like, where am I going to live? I got to live near bars and walking distance. It's like wow. I was like a Hasidic Jew or something. I had to be near the synagogue, but wow. it was like bars. So it became like a religion, you know? So, oh, yeah. I completely understand. But I love the time. I mean, I do, especially you guys with beers. I love beer. I, that was my main thing. Um, but again, like, then moved the vodka, whiskey, anything really made it too much i loaded just horrible hangovers and you know but i was functioning you know i made records and did stuff you know so but now uh no, i just completely cut everything out now i you know, we were talking earlier i have a, like seems like having kids is my new thing now it's like so i have <laughs> my old age we have two young kids and um now i just don't sleep anymore so i'm just like I can't work out or do anything positive anyhow. So I might, it's always, I think I'm always just like punishing myself. Life is penance in a way, I think. It is. It's really is. It's, um, sometimes I really wonder if we're reincarnated that if, that we picked our parents, you know, there was some kind of, we had a list. Yeah, we were like, we're in another dimension. And then, you know, as, from our past lives and died that way. And like, what are we going to do to make up for that? And we just put ourselves in this other realm in order to, uh, you know, uh, make up for whatever we need to learn or something. Because like, I noticed that with kids, it's like, why did some kids, like, they come out and they're like brilliant geniuses right off the bat. <laughs> and other kids like, you know, have, you know, speech delays or, you know, other difficulties, you know, like I was wondering, you know, like that, it is, is is it just a ch is happen chance or is it you know whatever so let's it's i don't i don't know what why it's like that some kids are born with these ability you know so that's a big debate right there for sure maybe yeah, I, don't know. I don't know what i'm talking about but, but no uh, i like it no i, I do like it. you mentioned something that i want to go back to though is uh wanting to finish a show 
in order to drink. So that meant you wouldn't drink before the show. No, I would drink before the show. I just wanted more. <laughs> but, uh, I had a problem too. It's like it was. I was. We would. We one one time. Um, this is the first prong, and we we're playing like a straight edge place. Damn, I can't remember. It was, it's in Connecticut, and uh, they're like, no, you know, there's no alcohol served. But so we're like, okay, fine. The only thing that they served was Jolt Cola, and this is before Red Bulls, et cetera. And it was this horrible cola that had like three times the amount of caffeine. And we said, well, fuck it, we're just going to do something else. And we drank like a case of this horrible soda, and we played so awful, we couldn't even play. It was so bad. <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, anything that you do in excess is going to like be, is not going to be that great. So we did have shows, and we would experiment of drinking a lot before going on, and that never worked. That was always horrible. So sometimes a little shot here and there helps. But then I was like, you know what? Why am I being a pussy? Especially like we're playing guitar with Danzig, which is the whole thing in itself. It's like, why? I'm not going to have a drink to calm my nerves, to do anything. It's just I got to face this completely head on the way I am. You know, like like if... I was intended to be stressed out, intended to be nervous, and intended to be, if I'm naturally that way, that's the way I should face it. I'm not going to do anything else to change that, you know? And if I if I play absolutely horribly, which is always a potential, wow. then that's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, you know, don't, I, I'm always fearful of playing like shit or underperforming or, you know, the things that everyone's afraid of, humiliation. And I'm not saying that this method helps that at all. Probably drinking helps a lot of these things, like helps you overcome that in a way. The nerves, for sure. The, 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 just loosens you up a little bit because nerves, that anxiety of performance definitely impacts the performance. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that the old-time baseball players and hockey players uh, would probably drink a bunch before they went on went on the rink or whether they skated or... They definitely fell a lot looser. Because <laughs> there's stories of that, people that like fall off buildings when they're really inebriated, and then they don't break bones because they don't ri- get all rigid, you know? <laughs> Not that I'm recommending people try. Don't do that, people. <laughs> I just realized that, yeah, but I think I have a penance to serve and, you know, so that I, I must walk through life without any uh, help from anything. So, so no, no coffee. Did that come at the same time as the, the sobriety? I've been in and out of coffee and caffeine. So, you know, that's right now I'm not. Okay. So my anxiety level gets too high. Interesting. Uh, talk to me about your first beer. Bring me back to that. I love to ask that question. Do you remember the very first beer you had? Well, I think it was from my dad. I mean, like that, my, um, I had to be, what, six or seven. Wow. I mean, yeah. I didn't have a whole beer, but he'd yeah. be like, yeah, try, you know. Take it, it, like, I don't know if you ever heard of this beer. You, you definitely didn't because you're not from New York, but there's this beer and no one, from the recent years, I've heard of it. It was called Foxes, and it was um, Foxhead. And it was um, just a cheapo beer. And my father would get that. Like, but back in the day, and we're talking like the 60s, and like Bud was the king of beers. Oh, we kicked, that's way too expensive. Bud, like, what are you kidding me? This is before imports. So there was like a level of beers. Like, and I'd ask my father, I go, yeah, it's like, and I was like, oh, your mother could, you know, we're on a budget. She's only going to get Foxhead, which is like this shit. It's like, it's almost like this, like a Walmart beer or something. <laughs> so yeah, it was like this crappy beer. So he would then, but when, when on, on a big occasion, he would have a, a Paps Blue Ribbon because that was right below Bud. So he like, you know, I try that. So, but when I really first started getting drinking, because I, you know, growing up in Queens, there was a big pressure. I grew up in a, in, in an Irish Italian neighborhood, and there was what, as soon as you get twelve, look, I kid with this guy around the corner from me. He's like, "Were you going to go out drinking with us?" And I was like, "What drinking? You really?" I was like, "Yeah, well, you know, we go out, we go to this, you know." I was like twelve. I was in seventh grade. Wow. So yeah, and we were like we go out, and somebody buys us beers, 
and we just drink on the street. Like it's like fucking 12 degrees out. Yeah. Yeah. And we're drinking on the street and it's like, yeah, I was cool. Yeah. You know, like I was out with the local idiots in a schoolyard drinking beer. And I remember that that beer was usually Schaefer, which was the beer that we had back then, which was another local New York beer brewed in Brooklyn that no longer exists. And, um, I don't remember it being that bad, really. My father hated it. He's like, Schaefer's garbage. He's like, How about that first tour back, either with Prong or with Danzig, when you were sober? Because there's a lot of rituals that go into shows, and then when that part of that ritual is not there, sometimes there's that superstition of, am I still going to be able to perform? Uh, connections with people that you've met on the road over so many years that know you, identify with you as a person that likes to drink. Uh, take me through that first tour. It was pretty easy because uh, uh, I think people didn't like to drink with me anyhow. <laughs> and you know, people usually don't like to hang out with me in any case, regardless. So <laughs> it was like um, they didn't give a shit. So, and as far as the rituals go, like it's what Glenn, Glenn is kind of, you know, I mean, yeah, he's, uh, he's not as much as a health nut as he was. I mean, he, but he, he's not really into, um, uh, drinking that much. So, and especially before a show, he'll drink and party like with, with chicks and shit later or whatever, these days, older women. But, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, but it's like he would, he would, he's not so, uh, what he liked to do is do a shot of ginseng before we went on. Interesting. And then I even cut that out because I was like, it's a stimulant, you know, so I wasn't into doing that. And when he'd be like, oh, okay. But, um, yeah, I, I, no one really gives a shit, you know, like, I know with me, I never really felt that anybody was like, you know, um, you know, that anybody was taken back. And like, I, I never really kept me from hanging out like, um, that much, uh, I never really hung out anyhow. It was like, there was, years ago, there was this thing called the groupies list, and they had like, it was online. It was like, all these groupies got together and they were rating all these like guys in bands that they, you know, had Damn. relations with and comparing, you know, uh, penis sizes and all this stuff. And it's just like, I never, I never showed up in any of that because I never really dove into that realm that much and i just did i have no you know that that whole the big party life people and the, that whole thing is like i've always felt like either i i don't fit in or um i'm not judging them it's just like it's like all the, the spring breakers and all those people that go down and like i could never do that like i could never you know like be like topless even as a male like and all that whole thing that goes on and on a boat party but i'm like what am i doing like i'd be i feel weird so that's just me you know I, I, whoever makes anybody happy is fine well congrats on your 10 years of sobriety um living life in your penance as you yeah. mentioned i like that expression very much some people would say it's the spiritual life but there's a book by crowley alice crowley you go like a diary of your drug fiend, and it's it's really about that. He's saying like, you know, like he, it's it's almost autobiographical, autobiographical where he is a heroin addict, blah blah blah, because then it's like now he's got to live the spiritual life, which is, you know, for him, uh, you know, was climbing mountains and doing horrible things to himself or whatever, you know. Where you just continue touring the world and making little children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not it's, it's not a. Touring is definitely an, another issue these days. You know, I mean, it's changed a lot, right? It's extremely it's financially weird. draining. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to act like a cheap <laughs> bastard, but yeah. It's, it's, it's not what it used to be, for sure, even as we're approaching a new cycle ourselves. Uh, we, we're being very careful about what we set our feet into. Isn't it like, is it everything unbelievably expensive in Canada now, too? Like it is in America? expensive, yes. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like, I, we used to go, oh, my God, we're going to Germany. And, like, how are we going to afford to hang out or, like, Scandinavia? And it's like, now I'm like, I'm fine going there. Like, everything's cheaper than here. It's crazy. I'm serious. Yeah. Like, America, especially in New York, I mean, or L.A., like, they're the most expensive places, I think, in the world now. 
It's like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. What a world, Tommy. What a world. Uh, Take me to the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents or guardians' house. What music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? Oh, uh, well, I have four older siblings. Nice. Yeah, so my brother, he got me into a whole bunch of stuff. Like, he was like, as soon as I, I don't know, he, he was into Cream, awesome. Hendrix, um, those are the two biggies. Rolling Stones. Is that is that why they vetted you on the street, maybe? Because and brought you out drinking because you had the older siblings that knew that you your family was cool? No, because um, uh, my brother was considered, they were all a lot older than me. I was, like, really young. Like, I, I, I was a mistake. So I came out a lot later. Uh, but uh, that's a good question. But uh, I guess because, like, I, I, about around the age, I, I was obviously into music a lot by the by seventh grade uh, i was growing my hair and then i was i was listening to a plethora of stuff but as a really a really young kid like one of the first things i remember was like the doors too like hearing that on the radio you know my uh my sisters were into like really uh folk music maybe a folk rock my father hated rock music. Oh yeah, despised it. He said it was called. He called it jungle music, and he he listened to like really like like Broadway music and uh, show tunes and like and uh, like stuff like Oklahoma and those that that realm and uh, West Side Story and. Uh, was into Perry Como and Bing Crosby. My mother wasn't really into that. She liked Mario Lanza and like Italian pop music or something, you know. So there's a lot of music going on. And then my sisters, they only had, I remember like we had a record player and it was like a Jackson 5 record in there and uh, Herman's Hermits, Meet the Beatles. So as I was groomed to be a music freak. So the first record I bought was uh, was Bowie Space Oddity. So that was the first record I bought on my own. Which is pretty sick. It's a good. That's a nice starting point. Yeah, we were like when we like we, that was the thing was like you know Glenn's from that time too where you know like it was glam rock was like mm-hmm. the thing you know like so like we wanted. You know, like it was sweet and Bowie, and then you know, they, but then it was also it was metal, it was Sabbath and Deep Purple, and you know that stuff. That's what I really got into. I had a, as soon as I, I, I as soon as I could find a Deep Purple shirt, I was wearing it constantly. So kids are like, oh, you know, Tommy's into this shit. So you know, we had a Sabbath Paranoid record that we were handing around in the neighborhood that everyone got. You know, it was like. It was a different. It was so underground. Yeah, completely different to nowadays, where you like you sh- you share a file with one of your friends, you share a link. Check this out. You know, now you, you yeah. had to be patient. You had to. There was much more like excitement when you actually got to hold it and put it on and bring it home. You know, like there's a whole process versus now. Yeah, no, it was it was everything was, and then getting pictures of your yes. idols. Like yes. I had an Aussie. I, like I got like a circus magazine and it was a pictures of Ozzy in there. And I was like, what the hell, man? We were so like Ozzy and Tony, I me these pictures. These guys were like gods to us, you know, and Bowie too. So at different times, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, I was exposed to a lot of music, man. It's like tons of it all the time. You met your dad, your dad wasn't into metal. Did he ever come around? Even, you know, you, you said, you know, signed to Epic which is a fucking massive, massive record label. Um, did he ever come around? He never really accepted it. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, his old school, man. Like, he wanted me to be an engineer like him, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, it, shit, it was... okay. What, what was that discussion? There was There's this, there's this moment of, like, I'm going to be a musician, and he's like, no, you're going to go to school, and you're like, no, I'm not. He, 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 was, he was stern. He, he didn't carry a conversation too long okay and um it it was like i knew he was disapproving and he left it at that you know he wasn't uh he made it uh, made it clear that he 
yeah, he was very much against me playing music, even as a hobby, really. Wow. Like he thought it was he thought it was dangerous. I mean, he a lot of things he said was right. I mean, it, it's true, you know, like a lot of the evils that come around in, in the music business is, is absolute garbage. So it's like, uh, you know, it's not a it's not a great business to be in. Like it, a more being an engineer and you're know, something that's he's a mechanical engineer. Looking back, I, I that's. Um, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to like just to say like my career has been a waste of time. You know, I, I think you know it, it has some benefits, but you know, there's uh, there's something about science and, and engineering and you know and, and the, the technical people that I admire a lot. And uh, like later on in life, I'm like, he was, you know, yeah. I mean, like doing something for society even without any recognition for as a whole is much more formidable or it's reputable than you know uh being a rock musician which is so it's it's narcissistic in a way so a little bit yeah for sure the, but that moment that feeling on the crowd is something that feeds us as humans it might be a narcissistic thing but the i i say like the listen i think it goes back to like reincarnation there's something the art gods pick people i was on this path there's nothing you could do to stop it because like this cloud that i used to live under like like this the way i used to think and like i didn't you know like it, like i was just so unbelievably selfish all the time and that helped my career like i mean that was like no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this for me. Like, I don't give a shit about anybody else. I'm going to fucking, you know, I'm going to make it, you know? And that, that drive, who knows where that came from? It was just like, it's, it's like some, like I say, something supernatural is like, you know, this guy is, you, you're going to do this. And now I look back, I'm like, how did I freaking do that? Why did I do that? Why, why how could I be such an asshole? You know, like, mm. you know, you know what I mean? Like it was just like I didn't care about anything else. Just like so, um, it's a weird thing, man. You live. Everyone has their own destiny. Like you know, it's you, this fog of you constantly. Uh, like so I can look at some musicians today, some guys I know, and um, it's um, like when is it enough? Like when you know, it's like how much glory can you possibly? receive before you're you're happy like what what is going on there like some of the i you know i'm never gonna mention any names but <laughs> some of these guys it's like they have three successful bands and they're constantly on the road and it's like it's never enough that you know they they have children they never see and wives that they never hang out with and like you know they're constantly out there and i'm like what the, you know, like, I'm, I'm so, in one way, I'm jealous of them to have that kind of tunnel vision. On the other hand, I'm like, like, it, it's just, it seems boring to me, you know, like, it just seems weird. So, you know, whatever. There's definitely the yang and yang of having a lifestyle of, a balanced lifestyle, I'll call it that, of coming home and being a family man, doing what you need to do in the house to, to, to be a good father and to be present and then going on tour and then coming back. I feel like there's more appreciation of both sides of the things. Like if you do less touring, I find. Yeah, no, I mean, that's true. It's, uh, but I mean, you got to make a buck. So that I means it's, it's <laughs> like you were saying, it's hard these days to make a buck anyhow. So mm. we gotta be, we um, gotta be thrifty. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that thrift, that's a big one. If I had to pick, pick a couple of words, like um, maybe like uh, that would be if I'm going to write a book or something, thrifts would have to be in there because I tell these guys, like, like, let's be, oh, you may, you, you've survived the music business. Dude, like, it's only in the last, like, maybe seven or eight years for some reason. I've had, I've come to the realization that I I, I was okay, okay financially. Because you're always terrified before that, or it's oh, just terrified. And does that fall? in once again, I'm. It's a beer thing, right? So I'm going to bring it back. And is it since you're sober, you're not spending all a whole bunch of money on booze? That could maybe that has something to do with it. 
Uh, but but before then, I was drinking. But I get most of my booze for free. Remember, I was in a band. Yeah. And then, like you know, working in clubs in New York yeah, City, yeah. I never paid. I people would buy me drinks, or I, I would, you know, we'd close the doors at CBGBs at you know five in the morning. Yeah. You know? So, you know, and then and then I you know I would buy liquor for, if I really wanted. I get it from Hilly at, at cost, which was like you know, a bottle of vodka was like a dollar <laughs> back then. So like I never. And then down on Lower East Side, there was a beer distributorship right around the corner from us. And it was like, so everything was dirt cheap back then. And then, so in order to live like that, too, like, I never spent any money. Like, I would, like, if, if I had money, we'd go to the band. But we, like, I lived on rice and beans. Yes. And, like, tuna fish and shit like that yes. for years and years and years. Just putting all and, the money like, into the band. Yeah, but like we know, yeah, I mean, but that was the way it was. It's like the idea of, like, I mean, we're saying when you're living in New York City, all these restaurants and all blah, blah, blah. It's like I never participated in any of that. Like, like I would, there was like this bum, like deli across the street from CB's, and that's where I would eat for years. It was like a, a plate of rice and beans. So it was like a dollar fifty or something. Well, that's what I eat. Well, so what changed seven years ago? What 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 made you more thrifty? I've, I've always been really thrifty. No, I've always... That's what able enabled me to survive. Like, like I see these guys like on like on the road, like spending money out there. I would save PDs all the time. Yes. I was like the, like even I would save, save, save. Like I would not spend the money, you know, like Danzig money or anything like that. I would I wasn't spending. I got into this whole thing. I would hardly spend any money. Smart. So then one day I woke up and I was like, okay, like I'm I'm not that bad. You know, I was like, I I've saved a lot. So well, good for you. That's an excellent advice for, for, yeah, no, you really got, I mean, from the age of 18 to 30, don't spend any money. Like, you know, if you have to live with your parents or a bunch of people or just live like a fucking slob for three, for 12 years, if you want to make it and just like save everything, don't spend Gear go really minimal amount on. So don't spend that much money on gear either. Because if you're good, you really don't. You, you're gonna get. You're gonna get endorsements anyways. You get endorsements, but what do you need really? Yeah. You know, so um, don't go crazy with gear. Yeah, man. It's just like you know, you got to really just tighten that. That's the thing with thrift is Spartan lifestyle is a great thing. But I've been gifted with that. That's like something that's God given. I mean, I I can't. Uh, I, don't, I don't. Why was I? Why did I? How did I figure that out? I don't know. Maybe it's just like Catholic upbringing. I don't know. Take me back to your first shows. The first show that you ever want to go see. First live music experience. Ooh, uh, my brother and I, and his wife actually. We went. He was got married young. We he went. We went to see Black Oak, Arkansas at um, the Academy of Music in New York. I think I was like 11. Wow. It was Black Oak, Arkansas, and JoJo Gunn. That was the, the concert. Sorry, I was going to say, was it everything you imagined it to be? Those first shows can be overwhelming. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. <clears throat> I mean, I, I was going to, as a teenager, I was going to a fair amount of concerts. Like, I had, like, another thing I want to say, I had a paper route. And when it was, there used to be something called newspapers, and um, there was a thing called the Long Island Press, and it was in Queens. And um, yeah, I used to deliver that, and I saved. I just I never spent my. I mean, I had all my brother's clothes, so I never, you know, any allowance that I would get, you know, I would save. So. And t ticket prices were ridiculously cheap back in the day. <laughs> it's like, you know, baseball it's games. It's not like now. Tickets. <laughs> it was, it was fantastic. It was great. So, and then I would, you know, I, I got, you know, CBGB, like, as a kid, by the time I was like 15, I was going there. So I saw like, I saw the Ramones there. Amazing. I saw the Dead Boys. Amazing. The Damned. Talking Heads, Suicide, all those bands. 
uh, I was into. And then I was into like some of the Long Island cover bands, which obviously was Twisted Sister was a Long Island cover band. I went to see them. Uh, Zebra. Um, you know, there was, there was a lot going on and it was hard to, we had fake IDs. I mean, I, you know, I was in New York, didn't have a picture on the license. It was just a, yes. like a piece of, it was just like a piece of paper. It was a driver's <laughs> license. So it was easy to forge. Very convenient for young. Yeah. No one gave a music shit. Music enthusiasts. <laughs> yeah, no one cared. How about your first time on stage? Do you remember your very first show? Um, I do. Uh, it was, I don't remember. It was, it's very foggy. And it was really horrible experience. Um, I was in like as I don't even know if I really knew how to play yet. Like we, you're just acting the part. I love it. Yeah, we were fooling around. I was in this cover band, and I, I mean, I, we didn't have digital technology or anything like that back then. So um, the recording, I mean, I, I don't even know what we were trying to play like tall songs and yes and shit. And I'm sure it was it was absolutely atrocious. And we played this place in Forest Hill, some bar, and it was like there was like no like two people in there. That, that was I, yeah, that was like the, my first gig, and I was like, that was that was not how you imagined it. <laughs> that was like I was like thirteen at the time. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. What's up, everyone? It's Joe, and I'm the host of That's Awesome with Joe, a podcast on the newly formed Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. I talk with tons of your favorite artists, managers, touring personnel, and more. Most of the time we talk about music, but lots of the time we end up talking about something completely unrelated. We laugh a lot. We do a lot of really stupid things, but also some things that are really informative and interesting. Basically, it's a podcast that I think you should listen to. Obviously, I'm biased because it's my podcast, but I think I might be into it if I wasn't the host. Check it out at SoundTalentMedia.com. You did just do a tour um, in January with Life of Agony. Uh, you dropped a new single for that called Breaking Point uh, via Napalm Records. Um, talk to me about uh, the era of singles, uh, the era of EPs, the era of not releasing albums, something that you've released many of. Uh, talk to me about that. The, the era of the era, the albumless era, which I hope is coming back to the album era personally. But uh, talk to me about this. Yeah, I mean, I. The, my, the guy from the label, we signed with Steamhammer, which is in Germany, and they bought they bought, bought them out. And I understand. And uh, they wanted to release a certain of those acts in in America, and Prong being one of them, which I was flattered. And it's like you know, Tommy, uh, you know, they were not, you know, we not uh, the record was like done like a long time ago, and I was like. You know, we don't, well, the record's going to be out. I think at that time, he's like, we'll be out in, you know, like 14 months from now. And I was like, you know, Ollie, just, just do whatever you want to do. I do not care. Whatever's going on now, and I don't care, and just do what you want. Like, yeah, we have to release four singles. I'm like, yeah, I mean, which, which song's on there? Like, yeah, it's a prom record. Like, no one knows what the hell it is to begin with. Like, who knows? It's like, yeah, I've been through, dude, I've been through the ringer on this whole thing. Like, being on a major label, you're saying, like, oh, this should be the single. And, oh, like, and they, they're they always wrong. <laughs> and so, and no one knows jack shit about anything, what's going to be popular. So, like, you know, they figure it out, and they, they'll, they'll, they'll figure what the singles are, and it will probably be, they'll, later on, they'll blame me. <laughs> like they'll go like he'll say yeah well tommy said that was should be the first single and like you know no one bought the album because he said that and it, was, it always would be something like that i did read that epic dropped you after three weeks after one the last epic which is fucking crazy which was not maybe that's a good example like i was just like they're like yeah we want like the title shot to be the the, the first single and i'm like and then they're like no one agreed like everyone no one agreed on it and they did it and they, they was like Oh, no, no one's picking it up. So, like, fuck prong. Like, you know, like, let's like, say that was it. Three know? weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> way, Three to give, weeks. way to give a band a chance, you know? <laughs> well, they did give us a big chance. I mean, granted. There was a third record or second record. I could be wrong. It was uh, fourth. Okay. Fourth, uh, basically fifth, because they did like another release. So, it was, we had, we got, they stuck with us long enough. <laughs> 
Yeah, but uh, they, yeah, no one knew what was going to happen with that. So I don't know. Now, I mean, no one buys, does people buy records? I, I have no idea. I, do they? People buy vinyls now, from what I'm vinyl. hearing. People are into that. It takes a long time to press vinyls and get vinyls ready, which is why maybe that 14-month discussion you had mentioned before. So that could fall into that. Uh, But from what I've heard, my experience, hopefully, uh, it's getting a little better. So so hopefully the the vinyl production catches up with the amount of music that was written during the pandemic. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, if if there's a market out there, I mean, the thing is, it's amazing to me is the R&B artists... um, See, I had I had a relationship with this guy that worked at Spotify, and he he was actually my manager for a while. And uh, he's like, "Oh, you know the new the new weekend." Uh, this German guy, he's like, "The new weekend single is is coming out in a. It came out yesterday, and they already have one billion plays." It's like you know stuff like that. And I'm like, "Why do I even? Why am I still doing this? Like, why why can't I just like I almost do that anyhow? Like, like I just just play the old prong songs i'll just play it up to to a bar and like <laughs> why do i try to go out there and compete especially like with the new metal bands these guys play unbelievably and they're great like why do i keep doing like trying to release out new out new material and new records because they asked me to and that's that's i had absolutely no plans to do it. it's like they, they call me it's like oh you want to make another record i'm like all right yeah sure and then I get into it. Then I'm not gonna say like I, you know, I mail it in. Once I get, once I'm like, I have too much pride, you know. Like I'm not gonna, you know, I've made a couple of shitty, really awful records, and that are embarrassing. So I don't want to do that again. Just uh, mainly for, I guess, for my kids' sake. But- yeah, so have I. Don't worry. My first cryptopsy record was not a well-received record. So. I, I understand. Really? Oh, horrible. Uh, <laughs> we don't play any of that anymore or ever, <laughs> except for that. But on you that know cycle. what? This might be a resurgence of that. Oh, that record was amazing. You guys should play that. There are 100% our people that were like, I was afraid to tell my friends that I listened to The Unspoken King. Definitely. Every show, people come up and say that. Uh, but where we, you know, it's, it is what it is. So, so, so music for you, you've built a legacy with Prong. You, you've never, uh, you've crafted your own identity. You guys never followed any trends and you're continuing to do that now so when you sit down to write something it's just you that's coming out it's a lot to do with the guitar playing yeah it's like like um whatever i'm into at that time it's like you know uh and uh i, I might have to add this is that like when i was a kid i did not play guitar so like if any like you think the the and it's a great excuse because I, you know, these these guitar wizardry has gone into another dimension. John Petrucci's the, those kids sit in their room for hours and hours, and that's all they do. I didn't do that as a kid. Like we formed a band from guys working at a, at a rock club, mm-hmm. and we, yeah, it was not. I played in a cover band as a bass player in high school, and I wasn't that good. So. <laughs> We sort of, we sort of started a band, or sort of an art rock band, you know. But anyhow, on the Lower East Side. So I was saying, like, I did not. As I grow with guitar, the records sort of, and vocals, they sort of just represent that. It's like that's that's just my tool, in order to grow or to, to dice or to to see where I'm at. Really, I mean, like, <clears throat> it's. Um, some of the older records, I'm like, how the hell did I do that? Like, it's just so weird. But, <laughs> it's, a, um, yeah. it's like a fluke that you figured something out, and that's just it. I, I got real inspired on this this new record that's coming out. I was really inspired by my playing, and um, uh, I just had a good time writing riffs. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's a cool riff, you know. And it's it's like, and some of that influence came from from listening to. Going back, like listening to some of the great records that I think are fantastic and like what made that great. So I sort of took from that a little bit, you know, and then so I had I had a really good time. Like um, the, as far as writing goes, the car, the, the stars were aligned and it, it, it was it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. So I've made records. Well, it was just the opposite, where like everything that could go wrong started from the beginning. Like you know, there's a lot of problems, 
And this one was easy, you know, it was, it was like, it was cool. Uh, the fans, people listening are going to want to know. I know what this question is. It's a shitty question. I got to ask it. Can you tell when a new record's coming? Is that something you can talk about if you can't? No, I, I, I can't. I'm not supposed to say. I understand. Yeah. I, I've been saying that myself. The whole, the whole <laughs> scheme that you were talking about, the whole, like, you know, what, what they're doing. And uh, no, there's. Cool. Well, Actually, Napalm's... it's not even an album. It's, it's not even. A, it's like they, they were saying, like, oh, don't even say this in an album. <laughs> well, Napalm will do a good job. Um, I definitely, definitely agree with that. They're they know what they're doing. So, uh, and, and listen, yeah, listen to Tommy, to... people. Listen to Tommy uh, at Napalm, please. Uh, uh-huh. He he knows what's going on. Um, I interviewed Andrew Thorpe King. He wrote a book um, called Failure Rules, where you yeah, his, right. his life. Um, he went through a lot of failures, but he ended up learning a bunch of great things from it. And I've been inspired by this book that he wrote, and I interviewed him about it, uh, to know and ask my guests, what is the biggest failure that happened in your career, but you learned the biggest lesson from? There's one, I think it was, um, is a very, uh, the, the, the most hurtful thing was when we fired our, our, um, our original bass player, um, Mike Kirkland. Uh, I think that was the stupidest thing we did that I've done, and I that's remember I was talking about that fog. Yes, exactly, and that and that like drive the drive you were talking about. Yeah, and it was like, you know, uh, some some idiot said that it would be better to have a younger, better looking guy with us, and that would help the band. So that sort of got like somebody that's a, a better performer or something, and that like got with me like a, well we're not going to get famous with mike so we got to get this other guy and it, it wound up it, it just it it went the other direction like this guy just the guy that we got to replace the original guy who was a great dude and very and did nothing wrong but we listened to assholes was that that guy wind up being a huge thorn and like fucking things up even more so but that's not the only mistake so yeah it's just like it, 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 I know the story doesn't sound so uh, strong but uh, inside I knew it was a bad mistake it was a bad move and it was just like something that I that was a very distasteful thing for me to live with for a really long time so that was uh, that was a bad mistake but I mean I listened to I listened to I, I've I've like if you're batting, my batting average has got to be like 200. It's like you know, like if if you get one right out of three chances, that makes you a 330 hitter, mm-hmm. 333. And I'm not anywhere near that. Like I, <laughs> I was I was whining to my wife the other day. I'm like, I can't freaking do anything right, man. Like I was like, I can't make decisions are really difficult. Like you you know, there's a lot of hard decisions to make and like I nothing a lot of times I do is uh shooting from like if if oh, I pick now with cell phones are a pain in the ass too because I can you like somebody will call me and I'm not prepared for the conversation. Yes. And I'll say the wrong thing. And I've done that recently and you know like losing my temper mm. and that's really bad. Like that's something that, and there's no, there's no way out of it. So that's those, those two things. Like I, she either don't pick up the phone. I learned, and I, I keep saying, well, in any, been having that a lot of sleep because I have a young baby in the yes. house, and so it's, it's hard. My fuse is is short as it is, but I think one of the worst, the one of the worst things to do in this business. Uh, or in any business or in life is lose your temper. It's terrible thing. You, you somehow, it's no. There's nothing wrong with being angry. You can't be angry. Somehow, you, you know, you know, you can't try to take control of the situation. Well, well, so, sometimes it says when you lose your temper, it's like your your reasoning uh, and rationale of what you're going to say is is obscured. Exactly. And you'll say yes. things that you would have never said. Either mean yeah, things yeah, or even... Crazy. Yes. Yeah. Totally, totally get that. 
And I totally get the the guilt of firing a friend. Yeah, that was a terrible thing. It was like, and uh, it's like it's, it's this weird shit that I've done in the past. Like, just like really, and I continue to do stuff. It was weird, but like I said, like, dude, but um, yeah, I just got to watch my, you got like, that's one of the reasons why being sober too is like, you know, like I, I got to watch my ass all the time. Like I can't, you know, who knows what the fuck I'm going to do. You know, so that's just me. It's better, you know? better, like, better to be more in control, which is a perfect, perfect damaged person. So. Hop off to my next big topic, which is mental health. I like to talk about mental health a lot in the past year oh, cool. on the podcast. I think it's important for our fans people in general to hear that we are not perfect individuals and that we struggle as well. So what do you do? There's been a lot of talk about uh, thinking through the past, uh, trying to see through that fog, uh, living in your penance. Um, what do you do when you're not feeling well? What is your tactic to get through the dark days? Yeah. Like I was talking to my wife today about that. She's just like, you're, you know, like, like um, sometimes you're getting pretty dark these days. I'm like, yeah, because, a not sleeping, and yeah, then 100%. Uh, so sleep deprivation is horrible. It's terrible. It's terrible for somebody like me. And then um, I I used to when I ha now when having kids too again, you you have less time to do these things. But I uh, I was practicing for a long time. I was practicing TM. I was at the transcendental meditation. Very sick. So that, yes, yeah. So that was one of my things and I had stopped because I can't do it anymore. So that's a good, that, that's a cool thing. There's another meditation technique that you're supposed to look into your past. It's called Mao meditation. It's a Korean thing. And you're supposed to send or send all these, they say everything in your mind is false pictures. So you're supposed to just throw them in a hole in the wall. And like you sit there and something like direct all your old thoughts, clear your mind and keep thinking, throwing into the. I think that's a good technique too. But you got to get heavily involved in that one. That's like, it's a. It, that's a serious discipline. You know, working out. Another thing I was doing like crazy. I was fucking doing that. Can't do that that much now. When, you know, and after the the, uh, the baby stops, like you know, I, I don't have to. Maybe I can get back into that. You know, not a crazy workout. I was jogging. I was living in California for a long time. And it's easier out there because the weather's great all the time. Back 100%. here on the East Coast, it's like, Jesus, it's raining again today. Like, you know, <laughs> or it's freezing. Like it, I'm stuck in the house. You know? yeah. It's like, it's, you know, it, so, yeah, it, it's walking, jogging, meditating. Those are good things. Very good things. Move your body, work your mind. Um, don't get caught up in the negative vibes and find ways to make yourself just feel just an inch better and then well like i mean sober guys a lot of them have a higher power you know too like whether it's god or you know they you know they so they you're able to have like a guardian angel to talk to or you know another your higher self so uh like you know what would you rather how would you rather be perceived like you want to be you know, raging maniac, angry, or do you want to be somebody that's calm? You know, like, you know, you know somebody, somebody that's going to pass judgment on you. You know, so uh, that's whether it's an imaginary friend or, you know, like some people say that, you know, like, because, you know, there's the uh, religious people have imaginary friends. Yeah, I mean, it is sort of like that. You know, it's like it's, but uh, if it works, then, you know, who, who cares really? I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's like every time you turn around now, somebody's going off the deep end, like killing people or like, you know, killing, committing suicide. It's terrible. I think in mental health, you're talking about anger and the dangers of anger, I mean, can lead to you killing somebody, including yourself. It's got to, you get, that's got to be stopped. So what do you do? You got to keep people from being angry somehow, or you can't get to that point. You know, like anger has to be stopped somehow. But I think media horrible. Social media is horrible. Yeah, it's it, it's making people angry. A hundred percent. I completely agree about that. It's it's too much narcissism. Like you know, like it, it's you know, um, like if 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 you have a a happy life and you're successful. You know, um, why do you have to 
throw that in other people's faces. Like, why can't you just humbly be content with how you are and, you know, appreciate your life? Why do you have to make everyone else feel horrible that they're not <laughs> where you are? A hundred percent. You know? So, and then, so it's, it's a, it's a bad sentiment of all this, the show of how great you are via, you know, social media or how great things are or whatever. Oh, I'm sure insensitive, that, insensitive to others. That is true. And I'm sure that in the future, there'll be many research studies done on the effects of all of this on the generations that are just, you know, younger than us and that are going, growing throughout this. So what's next? I mean, what are they going to do? Like, what are they, how are people going to uh, relate to one another? It's a scary question. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not face to face. Sadly, (laughs) which is which is horrible. One last question. Classic new uh, sober wrap up question. I'm doing this new segment called Fight the Hops, uh, where I ask my guests a very small goal, something that they're hoping to achieve within the next month or so, something that you're working on right now. For myself, for you, I would suggest getting good sleep. <laughs> and having the baby sleep through the night so that you can sleep better. But what are you doing right now to fight the hops? Oh man. Uh right now I'm really at the I'm trying uh there's been some member changes in the band. I know you know this stuff and I'm trying to I'm I feel like I'm in I'm, I'm teaching rock school right now. <laughs> school of rock yes. and I'm just like um trying to pummel these guys I got now into into fighting shape and I don't know if I'm successful yet so that's one of my big projects is and this move back to the east coast is like caused it's a whole bunch of opened up a whole other can of worms so we'll see how uh how good of a you know, how how much Jack Black I have in me. <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot. You've done it before. Uh, I'm uh, I'm stoked. I'm I'm glad we connected, Tommy. Thank you so so much for taking Thank some you, time, Thank you very much, having man. a chat with me, talking about your life, talking about music, talking about your sobriety, talking about hypothetical new. Uh, prong music coming out in the future. Uh, I'm stoked about <laughs> it all. I really appreciate you taking some time. Massive cheers to you. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, this was an awesome conversation. This was a conversation that I had a long time ago. I, <laughs> a very long time ago. I recorded it, uh, I want to say back in May. And when I told the publicist that Tommy had spoken about a new record, he sort of asked me to hang on. So I did. Shout out to you, John. You, if you're listening, thank you for hooking me up with all these amazing artists for so many years. I respect you, dude. So obviously I held on to the episode until the record was being talked about for real. Massive thanks for Tommy for hanging out with me. I'm excited for the new music. I'm excited for this new lineup, new era of Prong. I'm excited to see where it goes. I hope to see that you find a way to keep suffering through your penance and uh, making life interesting, sober, and stronger. Massive cheers to you for opening up about all that. I really, really think that's awesome. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Total Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V O. X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week that contains all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I dropped recently. You'll get to see which episodes I have coming up. You'll also get to hear about any projects I have in the works before I announce them to the public. You will also get to hear about anything going on in the world of Cryptopsy. And there's a lot of stuff going on with Cryptopsy right now. So the mailing list will keep you up to date on that. You will also get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently, and you will get to see which albums Jerry Monk, Vox and Hops' metal architect, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist. If ever you're looking for new music to listen to, well, you should listen to the new Cryptopsy as Gamora Burns. Just kidding, but you should listen to it. Apart from that release, Jerry finds the best new releases and puts them all onto the Brutal Awakenings playlist for our listening pleasure. So check it out. It's available on both Apple Music and Spotify. There's always a lot of stuff going on in the world of the Vox and Hospital podcast, and I hate when you miss a single thing, so please do me a favor and sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hospital podcast is brought to you by Sound, Talent Media, and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a killer rest of the week. I will be back 
back next week with one episode on Tuesday with Mario Quintero of Spotlights. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!